coming up on Philosophy Talk. There is not one universe. There are many. A multiverse. The mystery of the multiverse. There is not one you. There are many. Each of us exists in present time in parallel universes. Could our universe be just one of an infinite number of universes in the multiverse? Universes in which there's no matter. Universes in which there's no life. Universes that collapse upon themselves in an instant. If you imagine scattering around billions of universes out there with all of these things varying, then you will be lucky somewhere. Our guest is George Ellis from the University of Cape Town. That's the basic way that the multiverse is used to explain why our universe allows life to exist. Are we alone in the space of all universes? The mystery of the multiverse. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford. That's where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. 40 amazing years, John. Now, today, (laughs) we're thinking about something else amazing, the mystery of the multiverse, another in our series, A Philosophical Guide to the Cosmos. Well, Ken, in one sense, it seems to me pretty likely that we do live in a multiverse. I wouldn't have thought so. I look around and only see one. Well, just do a little inductive reasoning. Start with the fact that throughout human history, every time we think we know what the universe is, it turns out that there's not just one of those things, but lots of them. What what are you talking about? You mean like like when we thought the whole cosmos consisted of basically our own solar system, and then we eventually realized that, oh, there are actually lots of suns just out there, just like ours, and that there are lots of solar systems. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, if you at that point, uh, insisted on continuing to identify our solar system with the universe, then you'd have to conclude that that we actually live in a multiverse because there's lots of universes. Yeah, yeah, but the mistake was our our solar system isn't the entire universe. It's just one solar system among a vast galaxy uh, of stars. Well, true, but up until the early 20th century, people mistakenly believed that that galaxy was everything in the heavens, that it, the, the universe was just the Milky Way. But then there's a lot of Milky Ways. Oh, I guess I kind of <laughs> see what you're doing, John. I don't really agree with it. You seem to be suggesting that we can, cl- can conclude by induction that just as it was a mistake for us to identify the total cosmos with our own little solar system and then with our own little galaxy, it's probably just as much a mistake to identify the total cosmos with our own little universe, as we now call it. Is that what you're suggesting? Exactly. Right. Just as it turns out that there are untold trillions of stars and untold billions of galaxies, maybe there are untold millions of universes. Yeah, but I don't think this induction works because I think there's a big, huge difference between this multiplicity of solar systems or galaxies and the supposed multiplicity of universe. I don't think the induction works. Well, I suppose you're right, but you better explain it to me. Well, because all the many solar systems and all the galaxies are governed by the same laws of physics, defined over the same fundamental constants, and those constants have fixed values and relations. As I understand the multiverse hypothesis, that's not so. Uh, So why is that so important? Well, because it undercuts your induction, because in other universes, in the supposed multiverse, 
different physical laws pertain and fundamental concepts of different values. Maybe in one universe, E equals MC cubed instead of E equals MC squared. Maybe in another uh, universe, light travels at the speed of molasses in our universe. So I don't see how you can get that by anything like induction. Well, these days, I, I move with the speed of molasses, so maybe that would... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that would be a good universe for me. But now that you put it that way, I wonder, you know, why in the world or in the universe or perhaps in the multiverse anyone would believe such a thing? Well, I think the way it goes is it's, it's something like this. I mean, think about the strength of gravity. That's one of those fundamental constants that was presumably set by the way the Big Bang went. Well, what about the strength well, of gravity? Well, so it's like a Goldilocks principle. It's set just at the right value because a little bit stronger... And everything collapses into a singularity, and the universe never expands. A little bit weaker, the universe expands so rapidly and that it's just an endless cloud of disorganized dust. But in either case, too weak or too strong, you get no planets, no life, and you know what? No us, John. So I guess it was good luck for us that gravity turned out the way it did. Well, luck, maybe, but what if, what if there were actually zillions of universes, each with a different value for the fundamental constants? What if that were so? Oh, it'd be like a bingo game where they kept going till everybody got bingo. The existence of stars and planets wouldn't be a matter of luck at all. It would be a matter of statistics. Exactly right, because given enough universes, just as you said with the bingo analogy, there's sure to be one that goes bingo, hospitable to life. Well, that's a clever argument. <laughs> it seems kind of, what's the word? philosophical or maybe speculative? You'd prefer to believe in intelligent design, maybe? Well, that sounds nice, but why does that come up? Well, because if you don't think life is an accident, it's the only other hypothesis that expl actually explains why the universe is hospitable to life and non-accidentally so. Anything else, if you don't accept the multiverse and you don't accept the, the t intelligent design, it just reduces life to a lucky accident. And you know science, John, and not just speculation, science abhors accidents. Well, Hume said the most likely hypothesis was that the cause or causes of order in the universe bear some remote analogy to human intelligence. So I, I shouldn't be snarky about intelligent design, although, you know, Darwin seems to have changed things a little bit. But before I buy into the multiverse as an attractive option. I, I'd like to see some experiments or observations or data to go on. What do you want? You want like a collision between universes? Would that be enough to convince you? I, I think it would convince me, but not for long because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'd be gone. But besides, you're talking science fiction. Well, I don't know. Science facts can be pretty strange sometimes. Sometimes stranger even than science fiction. Well, to help us separate science facts, from science fiction, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to speak to a sci-fi author about parallel universes, and then to check with a philosopher of physics to see what science says. She files this report. We were wondering if you had time to talk. We have some questions. A lot of questions. You guys have been thinking about Hugh Everett's many worlds interpretation, haven't you? Hugh Everett proposed the many worlds theory of quantum mechanics back in 1957. It's the idea that particles can be in more than one state or place at the same time. When we measure these particles, or have them all come together into an event, like opening a door or sitting down in a chair, those states actually collapse into the reality we experience. Our reality. But what about all the other universes? Scientists and philosophers love to speculate as do television producers. 
Most of us experience life as a, a linear progression. But this is an illusion because every day life presents us with an array of choices. And each choice leads to a new path. And in each choice we take creates a new reality. Do you understand? Yes, but what does it have to do with déjà vu? Déjà vu is, 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 is simply a, a momentary glimpse to the other side. That's from the old TV show Fringe. There's also the cartoon Family Guy. They love to have fun with the multiverse. God, this place looks terrible. Looks like Quahog was vaporized or something. It says that in this universe, Frank Sinatra was never born, and therefore he was unable to use his influence to get Kennedy elected. So Nixon won the 1960 election and totally botched the Cuban Missile Crisis, causing World War III. We also have depictions of the multiverse in shows like Stranger Things, Tron, and The Twilight Zone. The list goes on. And there's a ton of science fiction novels about parallel universes, because the idea of other worlds is exciting. We only get one life. We only experience one single path of reality. David Walton is a science fiction novelist. And the idea of imagining, well, how might things have been different in my life? What if I had chosen a different school or a different partner? How much different would my life have been? How much power do my choices really have in, in defining my life? That's more or less the foundation of Walton's novel, Superposition. Superposition is about a quantum physicist who is unjustly accused of his colleague's murder. And he needs to find out who the real murderer is. The main character ends up being in two places at the same time. In a quantum superposition. So he is both captured by the police and put on trial for this murder. And at the same time, he is on the run trying to figure out what happened to put him in this situation and what actually happened with the technology to get his colleague killed. He's living in two parallel worlds at the same time. Yes, there are these alternative worlds that are occurring at the same time but closed off from one another. Yes, that could happen. Janan Ishmael teaches the philosophy of physics at the University of Arizona. She says the sci-fi author's storyline is technically possible according to Hugh Everett's theory of many worlds. That's always one of the questions in the Everett universe, is how to describe the relationship between the people on these different branches of the wave function. Ishmael says in one sense, the character in Walton's novel is two different people, with two different histories. But in another sense, they are the same people because they share a common segment of their own past, because at one time there was only one person there and then it branched into two. Philosopher Janan Ishmael believes in the many worlds theory and the possibility that there are many different versions of us. In fact, she teaches about it at the University of Arizona. Science fiction author David Walton may write about the multiverse, but he thinks the theory is one big cop-out. A desire for scientists to prove that our universe isn't special, that there is no divine intelligence, no God. Walton is a one universe, one God kind of guy. But in the end, both agree that we have to do the science, do the math, and fill in the gaps in space and time from there. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.